0: Want to know how to take your home from lackluster to blockbuster? Need to know the latest interior design trends? Then you'll be right at home with the Find It, Style It podcast. Hosted by Lauren Keenan, where we show you how easy it is to create beautiful spaces and turn your house into a home you'll love. Find It, Style It. Shake it!
1: talked a bit lately about trends and now I want to make sure that you're in the know about up-and-coming homewares brands. So I'm really excited today to be talking with Tara Bennett from Provider. She's getting lots of attention in publications like Real Living and Homes Plus and today she's spilling the beans to me on her design philosophy, her new range and how travel influences her collection. So let's do this.
0: Find it style it. Well,
1: we have a special guest on today's show. It's my good friend, Tara Bennett from Homewares Brand Provider. Hello, Laura, and thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here because you know I'm a huge fan of all the things that you create, all your candles and cushions. So let's give your website a shout out right now. So if people are listening at home, they can jump on and have a look. Tell us what your website address is.
2: It is providerstore.com.au.
1: So you started Provider in 2012. Can you tell us a bit about how you came up with the idea and uh, what it was
2: like to start the business? So in 2012, I had three other housemates and we lived in Surrey Hills um, across the road from the Foresters Pub. And there was a little empty space in the front of the, the house, which looked like a shop. So all four of us decided to to sort of turn it into a vintage store, Um, except I was the only one that actually put in any effort and actually sold (laughs) anything and sat down there. And basically all my stuff didn't sell, so I was selling all my housemate stuff. But we actually, the owner moved back in to renovate. So we closed it down and I always had a bit of a vision for it anyway, um, to sort of, uh, turn it more into a homewares type brand because we did get a little bit of attention from it. So I relaunched it. And I remember it was such a beautiful little shop front. I was quite devastated for you when you had to shut it down. I know I could not believe it. And because we rented it, we didn't want to nail anything into the walls or anything. So I like designed all these shelving so we built it on we painted it and then about six months later we got the eviction notice and I so that was 2012. After the, the shop had to shut down,
1: what was the process then? How long did it um, take you to get back on board with Provider and, and start making things yourself?
2: It was a little while because I um, went and got you know different jobs and stuff like that. Um, but it was in 2014 that I started mixing concrete and playing around with homewares and stuff for my own house. And um, a lot of people would come around and ask me if they could either get me to do something for them for free or if they could end up buying something. And I was like, wow, I kind of might relaunch my brand here. So I started an Instagram account and then sort of built a website myself and relaunched it and then it kind of took off and I quit my full-time job and now I focus on everything for the home I did try and include a bit of that vintage fashion for a little bit but that sort of weaned out now and I just focus on did you ways. just find the interest like for your customers lay like, more in the homeware side of things yeah like I've always worked in fashion and but I felt like my true passion was always homewares and interior design um, and I felt like when I launched it no one was interested in clothing it was all the stuff that I'd handmade yeah well we have the uh, the block
1: to thank for all that. I think everybody just started getting more interested in uh, designing for their home when all these reality TV shows started coming on.
2: yeah that, that's probably a good point because I was wondering because I've always been like obsessed with interior design and stuff I was like it's like a boom now in Australia and I've never really understood where it came from. yeah I think Thanks it's block. reality TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so tell me a bit about
2: your design aesthetic and what you know inspires you. Um, So my design aesthetic is very um, minimal and sort of based around – Scandinavian Japanese design. However, I have a true love for Japanese design. Everything. Their minimal ways, the way that they handcraft things, the way they dye fabric. That's sort of where I get most inspired by. Um I've spent a bit of time in Japan. I'm now learning Japanese. Are you? Yes. Konnichiwa. I, yeah, konnichiwa. That's all I know. Watashi watara De. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> My name is Tara. Oh very good. <laughs> um One big influence on my site is shibori dyeing Mm -hmm. and it's also becoming a bit of a trend in Australia.
1: So for anyone out there who doesn't know what shibori dyeing is, can you give us a quick rundown?
2: Shibori is a traditional way that the Japanese dye fabric and mostly it's with indigo. So it's all natural. It's like that deep navy and it's got – it's almost like – I hate to say this, but it's almost like tie-dyeing in a way. Oh, but it's very lovely tie-dyeing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's good. I mean, I love a good tie-dye, but it's a bit different. You know, it's the way that they bind their fabric and then they dye it and it's a really long process because oxygen is what turns the fabric blue. So you have to dip it in and out and time how long it's out and things like that. So the longer it's in, the darker it gets. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you've been using shibori then to make cushions, haven't you? Yeah, so I was just having a play a while ago. I've done it for a while and um, I turn them into, I use 100% pure linen. I turn them into cushions and now I'm sort of looking into doing it into placemats and tea towels. Exciting. We're going to get onto that new range shortly, but let's go a little bit back
1: onto your design philosophy. So you said it was minimalist, but... The thing I've noticed is, yes, it is simple and minimal, but it's certainly not cold. I think a lot of people think minimalism and they think it's going to be quite stark and cold, but providers not like that.
2: No, not at all. So my minimalistic approach is more that I'm not heavily, I don't have heavy branding and things like that. It can be, you know, a beautiful pink or blue candle. It's one piece that could go in any space, but it's still quite minimal. Like I'm not I haven't taken too many th- elements to try and put it into something. I pair everything back so it can go into any space. Which is actually quite hard to do, I think. To do simple well is quite difficult. It is because sometimes, um, was it Coco Chanel that said before you leave the house you should take one, one thing, thing off? off. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get a bit carried away with like, you know, different scents and colours and and, you know, you've kind of just got to think, is this going to go into somebody's house who loves black leather or is it going to be able to go into someone's house who has hot pink walls, that sort of thing. If if I'm creating minimal products, it can go into a minimal house or it can go into someone's house who who loves like not the minimal trend.
1: <laughs> so versatility
2: then. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? exactly.
1: Well, one of the things I really love about Provider is that you're creating these really lovely and quite premium products, but it's without the hefty price tag that we see a lot of homewares attract these days.
2: Is that something you really give a lot of thought to when you're in the design process? It doesn't have to cost you a lot to make a good home and it doesn't have to cost you a lot to also buy something handmade because there's this stigma around interior design and premium products that they have to be really expensive for them to be good, which is not true. So... My aim is to try and make everything on my site under $100 so anyone could afford it. If you're a student that loves design, you could buy it. If you're just someone who has like a slight interest in design but, you know, don't have the the money to go spend thousands of dollars, then that's what Pride, yeah, Pride is Yeah, I,
1: I know exactly what you mean because I come across that as an interior stylist as well, that... People think it's going to cost a lot of money to hire a, a decorator, and that I'm going to, you know, cost them a fortune in the things that I pick. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like you said, you can have a beautiful home on a more affordable budget.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I even see some of my competitors or people that I um, am inspired by in the industry, and it's like, you know, ninety dollars for a, a basic white candle, and I'm like, well, no one's ever going to want to burn no. it. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. throwing money away. Whereas I, you know, make. I import um, Japanese jars from Japan. They're beautiful, gorgeous colours. I love them. I think so. Yeah, and I import them out and then hand make the wax in them. So the jar's handmade, I hand make the candle and then I sell it for about, you know, 35 Australian dollars because you want to be able to put it in your house and you want to be able to burn it and love it.
1: You sound like Superwoman. You're basically making all
2: these things yourself. How on earth did you learn how to sew and make candles? Oh, sometimes I feel like I'm just winging everything, but (laughs) I'm a self-taught sewer. I'm a very crafty person, so if I see something, I normally just have to look at it and stuff and sort of think about how I'd make it and then I just go and... Oh, and... you're one of those people. <laughs> and Most of the time it turns out, but sometimes, you know, it can be a hit or miss. Yeah, like most of it's just self-taught and it just comes from a love of it. If you love something and you want to do it, I truly believe that you can. So when you
1: started making candles, did it take you forever to actually get one that looked the way you wanted it to look to be
2: able to sell it? Did you know that I think a lot of people think that making a candle is really easy, but it's not. It it took me about 30 candles before I actually got one right because it's all about, you know, the temperature of the wax and um, the type of wicks that you use and the type of wax you use and the type of scent that you use and it all drying and stuff and the way it sets can create air pockets. It can cave in the middle. So, yeah, it's not an easy thing so to make. Sounds like quite a science then. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes there was a – well, when I first started, there was a lot of dodgy candles that I then have to melt back down and remake <laughs> and remake and a lot of my family and friends got uh, a few dodgy, dodgy candles, candles. for yeah. Christmas presents. <laughs> So I've been stalking you on social media.
1: Sorry about that. Okay. But um, I noticed the other day you had a little snippet of maybe a new collection that was on the boil. I saw some some fabrics and some different bits and pieces on there. Is there anything you can tell us about that just yet?
2: Yeah, no, I can. I'm I'm so excited about it. Because um, it looked a little bit different from what I've seen from you before. It is, actually. And you know what? It's my favourite one. And every time I go into my studio now and look at my fabrics, I get I get so excited about it, which I think is a good sign. It's still very heavily influenced by Japanese design. Um, I've sort of strayed away more from that Scandinavian feel because I feel like it's becoming a little bit saturated in. It is everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like the big guys now are jumping onto it. So I'm kind of pulling away from that to make something more individual. Um, so I've got hand stitched fabric from India that I'm re sewing into cushions, beautiful woven wools for winter. But then also my Japanese um, handmade jars and stuff. And a little bit more colour. I noticed a sort of a pinky rosy hue on the, the picture that you put on uh, Facebook. Yeah, that's a, a pink velvet. Wow. Do you know I actually bought that the other day for myself and I put it in my range and I'm like, no, that actually goes. I'm going <laughs> to do it. Um, I don't know if it'll if it'll make it through to production, but right now I love it.
1: Well, we've been talking quite a bit about trends for the new season on the podcast lately and talking about how this sort of more handmade look is becoming much more popular and moving into colours like navy and lavender and taupe. Do you bear trends in mind a lot when you're designing new products?
2: Yes and no. Like I think everyone follows a trend um, in a sense, but it's all about, you know, like I love indigo and i have for a really long time and i i like that hand dyed sort of feel and i'm just lucky that that's sort of now coming in into fashion is, yeah um whereas it was so many pastels and stuff before i am conscious of it because at the end of the day you want your products to sell mm-hmm. but i think it's about staying on trend but still being a little bit unique yeah.
0: You're listening to the Find It, Style It podcast with Lauren Keenan.
2: So in our
1: last show, we were talking a lot about travelling and how that can inspire design. I know you travel a lot for provider on, on buying trips and sourcing. Can you, what can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so I um, am heavily influenced by other cultures in design, especially, um, like I've said, Japanese and Scandinavian. Um, but I actually um, have this newfound love for Bangkok and um I've been there quite a few times on buying trips because I um, find that they love their indigo dyed fabric. A lot of them make beautiful ceramics and this new collection I'm launching is um, I brought back a lot of handcuff cutlery and spoons and stuff. I think there's quite an art over there for um, makers. I am also going to plan to go back to Japan. To Japan. I (laughs) think Japan. (laughs) When I learn to speak the language and hopefully – uh, bring out some more stuff from there too. I've always been quite intrigued
1: when people say they're going on a buying trip. Um, what does that actually entail? So you, you land, do you hit the ground running? How how does it work?
2: Look, it all depends on who you are. I like to tack on a bit of a holiday there too. Um, <laughs> no, but i you've got to go with a plan. So, you know, for example, when I go to Bangkok, my dad lives over in, in the other city in Thailand, um, so I go and visit him and then I map out my trip. So I had a list of people that I wanted to go meet, people who I'd researched, who I'd found on social media, like Ceramist, um, people that makes cutlery, mm-hmm. um, one guy who owns Blue Dye Cafe, in Bangkok, and they do—they sell a lot of international, um, like Japanese borrow blankets, and they import a lot of Japanese and Indian kind of fabrics. You know, you've got to go with a budget, but sometimes you go and you don't find things that you're looking for. Like, is that a bit devastating? Yeah, like um, I I went with exactly what I wanted to come back with from Bangkok in January, and I came back with half of what I what I wanted. What I did come back with was incredible, but um, I felt like I was going to source a little bit more stuff like more fabric so
1: what goes wrong is that because you turn up somewhere and it doesn't look how you thought it was going to look or they don't have it what you know what stops you from finding the things that you want to find
2: I think when you find like, you know, boutique kind of fabric stores or like little markets and stuff, you know, I've been there quite a few times now. You turn up once and there's a store that you want to, you know, wholesale their stuff or buy it to make it into something else and you get there and they're not there the next time and mm-hmm. it's like you don't really have a way of contacting them to make sure that they're there. So that sort of stuff you've got to be prepared for. I think it's different if you're buying for a big website and you're talking to proper brands but because I deal with a lot of… Um, Local makers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit different. So yeah. at the
1: moment you mostly sell through your website providerstore.com.au.
2: What other avenues are you hoping to sell provider through um, you know coming up? Coming from an e-commerce background uh, online is kind of my natural sort of selling platform. But um, I do have a couple of wholesalers around. Um, I definitely want to build that so anyone out there who wants a stock provider, you know. (laughs) Get in touch. (laughs) Get in touch now. Um, But I also um, am looking into pop-up spaces to do a bit of a a provider pop-up and I also have a few exciting collaborations in the works which I'm not allowed to talk about yet. okay. We'll find out sooner or later. Yes. It's very exciting. I think pop-ups are
1: great because it gives people an opportunity to actually see and touch your products and and get a real feel for them.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I find a lot of my customer service emails that come through all ask if I have a physical retail store. And um, I also find that online shopping is really big in Australia, but countries like Thailand and Japan and things like that, they're all about bricks and mortar. So when I tell them about my shop or if they would like to put some stuff in my store, most of them are more interested in if I have a retail store. Really? Yeah. So it's something I really want to focus on is try and get a little bit of a space to showcase my products. I'm sure you will.
0: Subscribe for exclusive perks and insider tips
2: at
1: finditstyleit.com.au. We love a bit of Instagram here at finditstyleit, Tara. So we would love if you could tell us who your favourite Instagrammers are this week. Don't we all just love
2: Instagram? i waste so much time on there. Uh, The people that I actually follow on Instagram aren't your typical sort of personalities and stuff. I always find that I'm really in love with like international fashion brands that are like quite small. Like one um, story, S-T-O-R-Y. We'll put all
1: these in the show notes for listeners. Okay.
2: Yeah, they're British, but they uh, hand-dye a lot of their own stuff. Um, They travel a lot and they do a lot of indigo kind of fabrics and stuff. It's quite inspirational. I I really love the way that they sort of portray themselves. And there's also another one I follow, Ketone Kyoto. Definitely... That in the, the show, show notes. notes. <laughs> um, they have a shop in Japan. Unless you read Japanese, you probably can't understand it, but they just like post beautiful little pictures of their ceramics and, you know, cafes and stuff, which I really find inspiring. And then, of course, your obvious kinfolk. Who doesn't love kinfolk? Who doesn't love a bit of kinfolk? Yeah, I
1: know.
2: <laughs> Hashtag authentic. Yeah. <laughs> and those types of minimal kind of brands.
1: Do you turn to Instagram a lot for inspiration when you're sort of starting a new collection?
2: Yeah, I actually do. And I find that, um, I spend hours and lose a lot of sleep before I go to bed. It's like a time vortex, I find. Oh my God, isn't it what? I, um. We'll find, like, say, for example, that story brand, I'll go into their followers and then go into their followers and all of a sudden I'm, you know... Ten levels down. Ten <laughs> levels down and finding, like, this amazing, you know, ceramic brand that I don't understand and it's two in the morning. <laughs> um, but that's where that's definitely where I find a lot of inspiration. That's a sign of a true Instagrammer. Yeah, that's me, right?
0: <laughs> find it, style it.
2: So you
1: mentioned that you've moved into a new studio space. What can you tell me about that? Has it really changed the dynamic
2: of how you work? I've only been in there for one week Mm -hmm. but I'm so excited about it because I started to provide a – I had a home studio – and then I moved from that to a smaller studio and then now I've upgraded and stuff. So it's happened pretty quick, which is amazing. It's still a little makerspace in a big warehouse, so I share it with other creatives. So what sort of other creatives are there? Um, there's, there's quite a few. There's Belle Campbell. She hand welds um, like pot plant holders and tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an architect. There's an illustrator, a photographer. So everyone's quite different, but it's, it's like working with a team that you don't have to answer to. so It's kind of the the best best of both worlds, really, doesn't it? Yeah, but we all get together in the communal area and, like, bounce ideas off each other or have a chat about what we're doing. And a very important question
1: from the stylist, have you had to decorate the space at all?
2: Of of course. That's why my range, my new range, is being pushed back because I spent all my budget on decorating my studio. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities. What have you done in there? (laughs) There still needs to be a couple of things. Um, But because my other space was open, I didn't have walls around me, so it was quite hard to um, work with the space. But this one... I spent a lot of time up on a ladder trying to paint it which was it's always hard. fun people yeah. think painting's easy but it's not really no and i love the idea of it until you're like one coat down you're like i'm done yeah <laughs> yeah yep. next next sore arms are sore <laughs> oh it was horrible but then i got these handmade workbenches um with so i can sort of cover them in wax well one is for wax one is for fabric because mm-hmm. i needed to split the two yeah
1: definitely
2: i'm going to be building my own shelving and making a diy pegboard and things like that over the next few weeks so you really are superwoman then. <laughs> well, no, not really. I wish I was. Just very handy. I'm, very, I'm a handy woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today, Tara. It's been great to chat to you about the new collection and your design philosophy and I uh, would love to catch up again sometime soon. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lauren. Shake it. So that's it for today's episode of the Find It Style it podcast. There are links for all the cool things that Tara was talking about in our show notes. And if you've liked today's show, don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes. And if you really like today's show, it would be great if you could leave us a review. Thanks and see you next time.
0: Follow Lauren on your socials for latest style trends and tips. Just search Find It, Style It, and subscribe now for exclusive perks, discounts, and updates about store openings straight into your inbox. Go to finditstyleit.com.au